0: Have you ever cared so much about sports that you needed to turn to a post game call in show to vent your emotions? I have, and I hate that. I'm Sports Channel 8's Ben Swain. I'm on Raleigh Co., and I hate sports. So Mike, before we get into the aftermath itself, uh, let's talk about you. You know, we spent an average amount of time together, but I've never, I've never heard the story about your background, man. I know you're a Yankees fan, uh, but what's your background on the fan side
1: of sports? Uh, the, the fandom side. Growing up in in Western New York, it's it's really weird. Everybody always assumes that I'm a a Buffalo Bills and a Buffalo Sabres fan, and I'm one of those guys who I grew up in the city that I had pro sports teams to cheer for. And I just never did. And part of that was my dad wasn't a bills fan. So I grew up watching NFC football, not the AFC. And you know, the bills weren't very good when I was growing up. So I was a cowboy fan. And then Jerry Jones bought the team, fired Tom Landry, became a Vikings fan Uh, for the Sabres. I worked for the Sabres my senior year of, of college. And I worked for Ted Nolan. The team wins the Northeast division. And that gave me such a unique look and a perspective. Like as a fan, you always think, you know, what's going on and all these technical things and everybody in the locker room, how they get along and how games are won or lost. And that really showed me a look at, you know, pro sports, what we think they are and what happens behind closed doors are two completely different things. And then the team fired Ted Nolan. And in doing so, let me go from the position I had with the team. So the Sabres moved down a a peg or two, Uh, not exactly my favorite team anymore, but you know, it is my, my hometown. So I would like to see that, that town win a a title one way or the other. Uh, That would be good for them. But uh, the Yankees fan was pretty easy. You know, growing up in, in New York state, I was close to Toronto, close to Pittsburgh, close to Cleveland. Uh, Pittsburgh and Cleveland were awful when I was a a little kid growing up Toronto's in Canada it's an American game I'm not cheering for uh, Canada to win that and as my dad told me I could be a fan of anybody who I wanted to but my dad was a huge Yankees fan and he said if I pick Boston the garage gets really cold in Buffalo in (laughs) December so uh, that kind of made it easy for me and college sports uh, I was just allowed to like whoever uh, I like you know college sports weren't very big in western New York like the, the University of Buffalo really didn't have a division one football team until uh, i was actually in college it was funny they they went full division one when i was in school they'd play against my division three school i went to buffalo state college so i could like any any college team i liked and you know i kind of gravitated to notre dame as i tell everybody you know catholic in the northeast and it's either boston college or notre dame and i'm not liking any team from boston so here i am and uh, that's kind of where my fandom has gone to and it's i have been able to in that one experience been with the the Sabers, watching how a game is won. It really, at twenty one years old, really taught me how hard it is to win a game and what goes into that at, at those ranks. So it kind me of, it kind of gave me a different appreciation for what goes into the athletes, the coaches, the front offices, and everything that goes on to trying to win a game. So my perspective of you know liver dying with a team kind of changed that year. I I really never after that. And I don't know if this is a a good thing or a bad thing. I never really got worked up again after a win or a loss after I was working for it, where you want to win a cup, where you feel that you're involved in a team winning a championship. So it didn't take away my fanhood, but I kind of tempered it down knowing, you know, these guys don't go out on a nightly basis trying to lose or no, I can't do what those guys do on the field. So uh, a long answer to a very good and very short question.
0: Well, I, I definitely learned something because I was, I was made to believe that Syracuse was New York's college team. And so I just learned something <laughs> new there.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I have no – I've heard that before. I have no idea what those folks are talking about.
0: <laughs> so I definitely want to focus on the time period before uh, the, the shine came off for you. So let's, let's talk about the Yankees when you're, when you're growing up and you're a Yankees fan. Were you ever hooked on sports radio growing up like all of us are?
1: You you know, it's funny. I didn't listen to sports talk radio as much as uh, other guys who I grew up with did. But there was a great late night host. There was really only one sports talk show in Buffalo growing up. And it was hosted by John Murphy. And John Murphy is now the play-by-play voice of the Buffalo Bills. And I was fortunate enough in college, uh, I interned for the TV station that John Murphy worked for. He was the sports director. And then Murph, a couple of years when I was graduated, gave me a job as a a producer for the weekend sports shows with Matt Yaloff, who's now on Major League Baseball's network, the MLB network. So uh, I, I, I was never really immersed in sports talk radio, but Murph was the guy who set the bar for me. If I could do the job half as good as him, You know, and and when I knew that was the field I wanted to get into, I, I knew I was doing something right. And then, you know, you get a little bit older, you go to, you go to school, sports talk was really just starting to emerge. Ben ESPN radio wasn't coast to coast. It wasn't 24 hours, seven days a week. It was, you know, ESPN radio was on the weekends with, you know, Tony Bruno, Peter Brown and Chuck Wilson. And, you know, I knew I wanted to do that because I started working for a radio station and doing sports updates and covering sports local. But that's what I knew that I wanted to do. I really didn't get full on immersed into it until I was about 21, 22 years old, a little bit younger than that, working for the business, helping out with the local stations. But, you know, when I was a kid, that wasn't it. But I always loved games on radio. I mean, I, there were some of the best broadcasters, uh, that I was fortunate enough to grow up with in Western New York and Rick Janaret's not everybody's cup of tea, but if you grow up with it, the Sabres announcer, that's what you learned to love head darling was the tv guy for the bills van miller for the longest time just how they painted the picture and called the games and then you know we got yankees broadcasts when i was a kid so you know john sterling's been there for a real long time Uh, I, i don't always like the act it's turned into now but i loved listening to games on the radio so much so growing up as a yankee fan i actually jumped into my dad's car to listen to the radio to listen to andy hawkins throw a no hitter and lose against the White Sox. So, yeah, I've, I've kind of always liked the radio side of things when it comes to just broadcasting the game or, or the information that she can get out of it. Yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you who, who was calling the game, but I, I think one of my
0: earliest memories as a sports fan was uh, listening to the 86 World Series when, when I was going to bed. That was, uh, that was a fun time. But, you know, there's obviously a difference between sports radio in terms of play-by-play, you know, listening to live sports, in sports talk. Is there also a difference between sports talk and the fan call in show?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that there's quite a bit of difference. Now, It depends on what kind of show you want to do. The sports talk show, there's the one where it's, you know, Mike and Mike, it's two guys talking. They're not going to take calls from the audience. You can participate, but the listening audience isn't going to call and get their voice out there. Then there's the post game show, the reaction. It's two completely different, two different animals when it comes to the feedback, how you host the show. and basically how you need to be prepped for what comes on and what comes out of the mouths of the fans once you get to that point. But there's the sports talk where you you know what you're looking for. You're kind of driving the audience to a certain route. And then there's the call-in show after the game or even pregame shows that take calls where you're not directing the calls to a point or to a topic that you want to get into. You're really going down the road of what do the fans expect or what's their reaction to what they just saw. So why
0: do you, what do you think drives most fans to call in to those call-in shows? Do you think it's a, a need to kind of talk themselves through whatever emotions are coming out of the game that they just watched or listened
1: to on the radio? You know, for the most part, Ben, I think it's because they feel part of the team. It's, it's really that simple. You know, they pay them, want the team... Vent the frustration or to give accolades to somebody who did a good job on on the game, on the field. I was going to say on the ice, on the field, but wherever the venue is, I think it's really just it's it's a way for the fan to feel that they are interacting and being a, a part of the team, letting the team know. That you know they're behind them, or they need to play better. That's that's how I view pretty much every call that comes into the aftermath when I'm doing the Canes post game show. That's how I view it. It's I understand that these folks want the team to win. They're just giving their outlet. It's their ability to say this is what I think could have happened or should have happened, and you know behind the team one way or the other, even if the call isn't always positive.
0: So uh, healthy, normal, or crazy? What's what's your take on that?
1: Who <laughs> or,
0: or a little a little of all mixed in together uh, I, I would go
1: I would go normal is not what I would go with, but I would go with healthy and crazy if you told me pick two of the three, <laughs> I think it 's healthy because we all talk sports. I mean, going back to when you and I were kids and you talked to your buddies, oh, I could do that, or man, I would love to be in that game. We, we all talk sports, so it 's a healthy outlet. But then you get to the the extremes that come through from time to time where you want to tell people, I want to tell people, it's it's really just a game. Tomorrow the sun's going to come up. We're going to go to work. They're going to play another game tomorrow. So I think it's healthy. It's an outlet where if you do get worked up, you have a place to go and get whatever frustration is is mounting in you out. But when you take it to a point of, you know, just going after players. I think then you get to that dark place where it's not necessarily healthy. It it starts turning into that crazy point. And uh, I hate to bring up the the book, the fan, but there are some people who get so wrapped up into it where you're like, just, you need to step back for for just a second. And remember it it is, it is entertainment now. and, And these guys are trying to do their best to make sure they win. Nobody's out there trying to lose a game. Uh, to the best of our knowledge, but uh, I, I would say it's a mix. If it's done right, it's a good, healthy outlet. You know, you, there's the the one phrase, talking people off the ledge. I don't want to go to that extreme, but sometimes you get the feeling in a post game that you are telling people, "Look, what you saw tonight wasn't really as bad as what you think happened." Here's why. And then there's the other side too, where hey, your team's won two games in a row, but you know, it's it's not all. It's not all roses right now and rainbows. There's a couple of things that need to be worked out. So you get that healthy point, but it's when it gets to that, you know, the fans who just they're only happy when it rains. Those are the ones I've never I've never really gotten to the. Well, why do you why do you keep if you expect the team to lose? Why do you keep putting yourself through it when there's other things that you could do?
0: No, I I know you didn't have that outlet uh, growing up in in New York, but. Can you think of of an event or or something that happened with with the Yankees or any of the teams that you're following that you just really would have liked to have had that outlet? Is there anything that just kind of pops up in your memory?
1: Yeah, there's a a couple when uh, the Yankees lost to the Blue Jays in uh, the second last day of the season, and I was uh, going up to Toronto to see the Yankees play the next day, hopefully with a chance to win the American League East. That would have been nice for uh, an 11-year-old me to have some place to vent to. Uh, in 1994 when the strike hit I wish I had more of a place to uh, vent because I actually thought the Yankees were going to make the playoffs which was something at that point in time uh, Yankee fans thought they would never get back (laughs) to the playoffs so I would have loved to have had a place to uh, rail against Bud Sealing a 19 year old me would have truly had uh, I would have been on the airwaves I would have been a regular I would have been a very disgruntled customer with Major League Baseball for for that so those are the two that stand out and then you know I Oddly enough, in, in 1999, uh, the most famous call in Buffalo Sabres hockey history, the no-goal call against the Dallas Stars, I actually did a pregame show before that game uh, happened. So uh, my buddy was doing the, the postgame show afterwards, and I don't think he got done until, oh, about 2.30 in the morning when it was said <laughs> and done. I did not call any a postgame show that night, by the way. <clears throat>
0: So, it, I think one thing that's kind of interesting about your show and, and about the fans here, and let's talk about the dynamic of the Hurricanes fan base. So, here we have Duke, we've got UNC, we've got NC State, uh, to a lesser extent, Wake and ECU. Uh, we've got the Panthers, but that's Charlotte. And really, you know, growing up here before the Panthers, this was Redskins country how is this area taken to the opportunity to to all cheer for the same team uh, at least for for natives of
1: this area you know it's to me it's really a better hockey market than the reputation it has in certain circles because the locals really the ones that have bought into it and got the sport really love it and really back it so I think what it's turned into is, you know, those walls of I'm a Carolina fan or I'm a state fan or I'm a Duke fan. Those walls are all torn down when the Canes are playing and they're playing well. Uh, There are and it's the building that they share with NC State. So there's naturally more NC State fans in that building on a given night cheering on the Canes. So there is a little bit of the NC State fan. They they don't want to see. Tyler Hansbrough. I'll always go back to Tyler Hansbrough. <laughs> showed up wearing a Canes jersey and got booed and he pointed. I'm wearing the jersey of the hockey team. I'm not here to watch a basketball game. So, you know, the, the venue still plays into a little bit with the, the majority of the fan base that you have. But uh, for the, the people who are here who grew up with it, they've really taken to it. And, the, the, you know, the transplants have taken to the Canes. You know, you get people up in Toronto because of RTP or, you know, upstate New York or in the Northeast or from the Midwest, you've all come here for jobs and they've had teams who they followed forever. You see them for, and I know it's frustrating for the, the college fan here, which is you like NC State. Well, you don't wear a North Carolina jersey for any other uh, occasion. And, you know, if you're a, a Carolina fan, you're not going to wear a Duke jersey for any reason. A lot of those folks have a hard time with the transplants for, you know, 39 games wearing a Canes jersey, but for two games, the team they grew up with, they wore the jersey. But for me, I look at it as for 39 games or in you know 80, 79 of eighty-two or you know, seventy-seven of, of eighty-two games, you got fans who bought into your team. So there's a it's a an interesting dynamic. I think that the fan the 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 core fan base is Die Hard with this team, but there still is that dynamic of there's hockey still being new. You know, this isn't 30 years. We're going on about 14 years of 15 years of hockey here in North Carolina. So there's still that weird dynamic of fans who get into the, well, if you like the canes, you got to like them every game instead of just going along with the, Hey, I'm cool with you liking them for the 39 games that they're not playing the team that you grew up with. But the, the dynamic is really changing. And those people who are now having kids who have been born here, well, they're Canes fans from the get go. You know, you get people from Pittsburgh, they're Penguins fans. Well, their kids are Canes fans now they're, It's not going to be they'll go up to Pittsburgh and they'll wear a Canes jersey when that happens. And I've really started to see a lot of that dynamic and that shift start to happen with the fan base here. So you spend a lot of time with the locals, uh, again mainly
0: college fans in in your in your day job in the morning show. Do do you see being? I've never lived in a pro town, right? I'm from here. I grew up here. I've, I've always lived here. So in your experience, do you see fans treating the pro team differently because we're all college fans at heart, or is this pretty much how fans treat their pro franchises wherever they're from?
1: No, you know what it's it's different and it's it's very different because growing up here with colleges those are really family ties. You talk about what happens at Thanksgiving or holidays with the universities. You know, if you went to NC State, you're an NC State fan. You went to Carolina, you're a Carolina fan. You went to Duke, you know, that's where the ties are. In pro sports, the fans there's more of a a willingness to be angry at your team in pro sports because the players, well, they might've been drafted. They didn't really choose to go to the pro sports team. They get paid to do that. So there's a different sense with the fans when it's not going right with a pro team, which is you're getting paid. You should play better. Where for college fans, it's the, for the four years that, that you're playing for my team, I'm going to love you. I'm going to want you to do well. And even if you play bad, and I might say something bad about you, I still love you because you're part of my team that you chose to come to this school. So that's the biggest dynamic. That's the biggest difference. So this is an an outside observation looking in. uh, But it seems
0: to me that Hurricanes fans at least are more forgiving of players than they are of coaches. Uh, is that do you first of all do you agree with that second of all is that normal uh in in pro fandom and then if not do you think that's a product of that college environment
1: i think there's a the product of the college environment because you know in, in the college environment ben you can't fire the players but you can fire the coach and make the team better so i think that there's that spillover uh, with the canes eric stall and cam ward if you listen to a post game show they might not agree with you that the players don't get the ire of the fan base here But I I think that there has been the the trend of you know fire the coach it'll make the team better here just because you don't think that you're going to move an entrenched player or that a player who's a fan favorite should be dealt even if he's not as productive as he should be. But I think there's a little bit of both, but it really does skew more towards the you know in the college game if you want a program to get better you fire the coach if the canes aren't going right well you fire the coach and bring in a guy who's going to make the team better
0: yeah i think it's just i I agree with you i think it's just very recent phenomena that we've started seeing people questioning eric Stahl and jeff skinner and and those guys where it just feels like if they're in a in a in a pro market i don't want to say a big market but if it seems like they're in a pro market those guys might be treated a little bit differently with the results that they're giving
1: oh if this was toronto eric Stahl, jeff skinner Every single day would be answering questions. Columns would be written every day. Uh, Hours of sports talk radio would be filled as to what to do with them, trade them, do you buy them out, why aren't these guys better. Sports psychologists would be booked to try to talk about what's going on with their game. Alexander Semen's season last year, let me put this in in perspective, his season last year, if he did that in Toronto, he would have had no escape because every shift that he took would have been scrutinized by members of the media. Uh, He's going to Montreal. Good luck. He, he has to play well up there because he'll get it in English and French here. You can still play or underperform and you're not going to get killed by the media here. You'll get some fans who will be disappointed in the effort, but it's it's just that. It's disappointed in the effort. It's not going to be so scrutinized and put under the microscope that these guys can't go out to dinner because they'll be booed out of a restaurant that they're in where in a big pro town, if you're making big money and you're not performing, there's no escape from it. It's a twenty-four seven just barrage of this guy needs to be better. He needs to pull his weight. This is the reason why they'll point the blame at a player for why a team isn't playing up to its potential or why they're not winning. If they're not giving what the fans expect to be the maximum effort, or at least getting the results that should come with a contract that they signed that makes them the highest paid player on the team.
0: So you mentioned Montreal, you mentioned Toronto. When I hear that, I'm thinking hockey market versus non-hockey market, but are you talking more pro market versus a college town
1: yeah that's more pro market versus a college town and it's it's not it's not hockey market versus non-hockey market here it's that's a that's a part of it and that just goes to the media coverage and look there's only so many minutes in the day and when you've got hockey and basketball and football and college basketball and college football all really running at the same time you know the things that have been entrenched in here are going to certainly get the the majority of the coverage on a given day and just for an example on a given day at a Carolina Hurricanes practice I'm there beat reporter from the newspaper is there and the web reporter from the Carolina Hurricanes is there and that's and maybe one or two extra folks maybe somebody from a blog Would happen to be there when the toronto maple leafs come to town there's two sets of television a newspaper reporter from two papers then you've got three bloggers and three radio guys i mean it's that's just an average day for the toronto media but that's also that's their sport that's what they follow that's their a number one on the list so that's the difference there it's it's not so much when you say hockey market versus non-hockey market it's just what's on the priority list of the town that you're in. And in Toronto, higher precedent when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs, than in North Carolina and Raleigh, when it comes to the Carolina hurricanes. But when Columbus comes to town, Columbus has the same media that's covering the Carolina hurricanes. Why? Because the blue jackets in Columbus are behind Ohio state football and behind Ohio state basketball. So, uh,
0: you know, we're, we're definitely it's
1: really more a priority.
0: Yeah, so, so we're definitely focusing more on the on the, the fans and the media. But I'm glad you brought up Columbus because it's an interesting one. So in in Columbus, Ohio State is the only game in town. In yeah. Raleigh, you've got three major college programs, and there's from a fan perspective, there's always a mark, there's always a bad guy. Do you see any differences between like Carolina fans and Columbus fans? because there aren't any checks and balances in, in in a town like Columbus.
1: You know, no, you're, but you're always looking for, as a fan, you're looking for the bad guy. You're looking for the villain. You're looking for the rival that you can go to. And the one thing that when you look at, when I look at Kane's fans and and what they look at at the team and how it performs is when you've got those three things in this area, Ben, when you've got Duke state and Carolina, if you're the hurricanes, if you don't win, those fans are going to spend their money at Duke state and Carolina. They're not going to be the fans who are running to watch a team. That's five games under 500 in a sport. They didn't grow up with. That's a difference where in Columbus you have hockey has been up there and the fans have kind of taken to it. And all they have is Ohio state. And when Ohio state's off that night, it's not like Ohio state, Cincinnati and you know, Xavier are all in the the same city or the same 25 mile radius that you have around here with those three schools where, you know, those have been kind of the traditional, the traditional sports entertainment that you have, or, you know, saying that Columbus was Cleveland where you'd have the Browns and the, the blue jackets fighting for entertainment dollars. So as a fan, the Canes fans, the casual fan to the Canes, if they're not winning, they're going to go spend their money to watch state basketball or Carolina basketball or Duke football. You know, the Canes kind of have to what they need to do with the fans, and it's the old cliche: everybody loves a winner. The fan base here, the diehards will show up no matter what, but they don't have that built-in twenty thousand fans who are screaming to get in to watch hockey. They might have six, seven thousand fans who are doing that. When your arena holds eighteen or nineteen thousand, you got to find a way to get the casual fan involved because there are too many other sports entertainment options for the fans in in the triangle to spend their money on if the canes aren't winning.
0: So before we get to the, the fun stuff, which is just talking about the crazy. <laughs> something that <laughs> maybe cuts into that crazy, like you just mentioned, is that it's easy to turn off the Hurricanes, right? If I if I'm a I'm a big Hurricanes fan and the team's not doing well. I can turn them off because I can go watch college sports. No one from this area can divorce themselves from the struggle of a college team. If state's bad, those fans are still going to go through it with the team. Um, do you think that's a, a kind of an extra challenge in terms of a hockey culture here in North Carolina where it's, it's possible to turn it off because it is a pro team as opposed to that, that collegiate team?
1: Yeah, absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Again, the collegiate team. What are your ties to it? Did you go there? Did your dad go there? Did your granddad go through there? So you know, the struggle's real for for that fa- for that fan base, and they're going to go through it with the team. Whereas uh, it's a pro team. I'll, I'll turn the TV off. You don't. I don't have to give you my dollars to go to that game. Where the college team. I've been all in with my parking passes and my season tickets and these season tickets have been handed down in the family. You know, it's not everyone. And I know that we kind of make it out to be bigger than what it is, but I think that's a big part of it Ben. which is the the struggle is far more real for the college fans who grew up with it now, 15 years down the road, this is going to be a different dynamic for the Canes, but where it stands right now, it's not the same as the fans who are going to stick it out through thick and thin with their college teams.
0: So let's get to the, the good stuff here. What is the absolute craziest phone call that you've gotten on the aftermath?
1: Oh, boy. Well, uh, I, I get a lot of Eric Stahl should uh, go down to Charlotte and uh, learn how to play and uh, take the captaincy away from him. That's a good one. Uh, I have gotten – I wouldn't say that this is a crazy call, Ben, but a lot of times uh, kids will get through, and, and I have no problem with it. But when a kid calls, there's there's always that sense of did dad put you up to this or, you know, is the question coming from someone else? And just this past year, uh, we got a call from a youngster who said that he wanted to to talk about something else. And instead, he brought up a salary cap issue, which was a great question. And I'm like, and you can tell your dad, here's the answer to the question. So much so, two minutes later, the dad called up and said, "I swear I didn't put my son up to the call. He asked it himself." <laughs> and uh, it's—I wouldn't say that was crazy, but it was one of those calls that will always stick out in my mind because it was a good question. But I'm like, this is clearly a planted call from dad wanting to know, you know, what's what's why is this guy making X million of dollars, and you know, what is his cap hit, and why doesn't he produce like this player? And it was so intricate. I'm like, man. Eight-year-olds are much smarter than I remember for being. So I wouldn't go with that's the craziest, but that is that is one that stands out. So
0: as, as the host, is that annoying though? Like do you ever feel like callers play up the crazy or put their kids on the phone like you just mentioned to make a spectacle of themselves? Like do you feel that – can you sense when someone isn't being genuine and they're just acting?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean there's, there's no doubt that you get the, the caller who wants the persona – they want to be the crazy guy who other callers react to and and look I'm not going to lie Ben sometimes when you're doing a post game show you you want that caller you want that guy to come through and you know give his crazy opinion give his you know out of left field thought of the day and get everybody to react to it but it's when when somebody starts to go in And they just keep repeating themselves. It becomes the the circular conversation. You know, if you make your point once, you don't need to keep saying it 15, 16 times. And when you go to crazy calls, you know, you get the the crazy calls that are usually involved with alcohol, uh, where you get some really interesting takes about, uh, you know, that, that guy didn't play well tonight sir who are you talking about exactly then you know the the phone hangs up uh, but uh, I I think you get the when you get the guy who wants to be the host or I'm going to get my opinion out no matter what even if it's wrong uh, those are the things where as a host you're always on guard to we're going to I want you to say what you want to say but we're not going to turn this into a 15 minute dissertation on your thought because you know hey i played high school hockey and i know what's going on uh, get your point out and we'll move on because a lot of other people have got some thoughts on the game too and you can sense it you can sense when it goes down that road ben and, and listeners can sense it you know people listening to the post game uh you get a lot of it's funny i get a lot of twitter uh, a lot of twitter interaction i get a lot of tweets going why are you still letting this guy talk he's made his point so those are the ones that you have to sense and get a good feel for and when to be able to cut them loose
0: so is there ever as the host is there ever an urge to to make yourself the spectacle where it's like you versus callers or or create that kind of environment is is there any kind of urge to do that?
1: you know that's not my nature and and i I don't want to sit there and say I'm a saint because clearly I'm not but if you call and ask me a question and this is I don't want this to be taken the wrong way but i'm I'm the post game show. Post. I've done a lot of things in the NHL uh, I've covered uh, Or a lot of things with it I've covered teams I've worked for a team But if you call me for an answer And you won't let me answer your question That's when we're going to have The, the caller blow up Where I'm going to be Okay, you asked me I'm trying to give you the opinion And just because I'm not going to say What you want me to say Doesn't mean that we're going to turn this Into the I'm stupid No, you're stupid Shouting match of the evening We'll get one more, one more minute down the road, and if it doesn't correct itself, we move on. But, you know, it, it's, I'm not going to go and, and just say something outlandish just to say it. Uh, there, if, if For me, if I say something, it's because I really believe that's what's going on with the team, or it's what I saw in the game that night. I'm not, I hate when the call comes in and somebody says something just to be outrageous because you're looking for a reaction and a lot of times when that happens i give you the well hey good for you that's your opinion let's move on it's the ones that get to and if you you've ever hosted a post-game show the one that gets i think most of the hosts annoyed or riled up is the i want your opinion and then when the host goes to give it the caller the fan doesn't let that opinion get out or, or just immediately dismisses it. So my thought is, well, why did you want the opinion in the first place if you were just going to say what you wanted to say? So uh, it, uh, along
0: those lines, you know, there's a long-running kind of inside joke that, that you're basically the Paul Feinbaum of, of NHL hockey. Um, you know, with with the, the, the calls that you get, as a pro, what do you think of guys like Feinbaum who kind of egg on the, the callers to that point?
1: See, that's that's not my thing it, it's I, I get it and i'm kind of flattered with it and if i can turn it into a national job uh, by all means <laughs> keep calling up and giving uh, giving the opinion but I, I i don't go and egg on people for a post-game show my job for the post-game show how i view it ben is this is what i saw and this is why the team either won or lost and i try to be objective because I think what everybody forgets, you know, I'm doing the Carolina Hurricanes aftermath, but everybody forgets that night the New York Rangers played too. And here's why, you know, it wasn't so much that the Canes were awful. That's like the, the point of view we always have now it's why did my team lose? Well, sometimes the other team won. And, you know, I, I don't, I want calls. I want people to interact. I want to say, this is what I saw. But I'm not going to sit there and, you know, egg on somebody just to get a call. I'd I'd rather just wait and hear from Bill Peters than do the, you know, well, here's what I think tonight and just say something that I know is designed to get a phone call. I'm not saying that I've never put out a topic knowing that fans will react if I say this name or that name. I've done that, but I won't go out of my way to make a point just to get somebody to call the postgame show.
0: Uh, one, one question specific to aftermath and your situation and the, 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 the callers that you get, how do you think the, the callers balance uh, just the extreme passion that we have for sports here in this area with a still blossoming understanding of hockey? Do you think that um, <laughs> you know the, the passion without the knowledge, does that drive a certain kind of conversation where it wouldn't otherwise?
1: Yeah, you know, it does, and I don't think necessarily that's a bad thing, Ben, because I give me a caller who is passionate about what they just saw, and, you know, if they don't know the rule or don't know the nuances. And, and you know, for hockey, there's so many little things that, you know, what's why is icing? Why don't you do this? Why doesn't this happen? And, and I know the icing thing uh, hockey fans really bristle at, you know, the, the true blue hockey fans. But I would rather have somebody passionate about the team than the know-it-all saying, well, this team needs to run the left-wing lock and cross-corner dump. If they don't even know what those things are, you know, why are you throwing that out there? Uh, so I think there's a, there's a good balance. And for me, I would rather have the guy or the, the girl or the kid call the post game show and ask why did that happen if they didn't know the rule or didn't know why you know why that was part of the game. And honestly there are things that happen in the course of the game with NHL officiating. I have no idea why they happen because it's hard to get a book on it. But I th- I think the balance is good between the passion of the fans and again, this is a, a smarter area for the game than it really is given credit for.
0: Would you trade your Carolina Hurricanes call in show for a huge raise and a college sports post game call in show.
1: You said huge raise, right? Yeah.
0: Because I, I think you got to have something to sweeten the pot there because I think a, a college call in show would be miserable.
1: Uh, well, it depends what. Uh, let me put it to you this way. Are we talking about a major college where. Are we going in Paul Feinbaum territory where I'm going to get just absolutely radicals who are going to call up and there's no talking them off of the point that they're going to make and they're going to say, you know, not want to fire Nick Saban. Yeah, we're, we're talking
0: so. Kentucky basketball. We're talking uh, Alabama football.
1: I was going to say it would be like, I'll put it in these terms. If I had to do a Duke football postgame show and callers would call up and tell me that they want to fire David Cutcliffe. I don't know if you could pay me enough to do that job. (laughs) Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, but if, if anything, and I hate to go wrestling, as Ted DiBiase said, everybody has a price. So for the right price, I would find a way to balance the insanity of college fans wanting to overreact to a close win over Navy uh, for the right price. Well, I, I personally
0: would have enjoyed hearing you field phone calls in, in 2009 from the uh, the fans who wanted to fire Mike Krzyzewski after UNC won the, the national championship. That would have been a, a fun thing to listen to. <laughs> uh,
1: you know what? I I try not to be that combative on the aftermath, but sometimes when things need to, uh, need to have a, a give and take or someone needs to be put in the proper perspective. I don't mind doing that. And, uh, that I'll, I'll agree with you. 2009 would have been fun for me along those lines. <laughs> uh, I get that. I get that a lot on the aftermath. And again, one or two calls that, that go down that road a night are pretty good. It's when you get six or seven, when you just sit there and you're like, oh, okay, folks, it's, it's time to move on. We need to find something else to, uh, to i guess get angry about we'll find out what that'll be but uh it's again i i love that question of you know is it crazy is it normal is it healthy i think that a post-game show can be for fans it can be really healthy because it can explain why a loss happened or it'll give you that that moment to you know keep the celebration going even longer it's when it starts getting into the place of you know, this ruined my life and I don't want to work tomorrow. Those are the ones where you got to be like the, just back off that a, a little bit, but you know, it's, it's why we're fans. It's, it's why we watch. It's, it's why, you know, I'm going to watch the, hopefully the Yankees make it to October and I'll be a little bit excited about that. I won't call in a post game show. If they lose, I'll just turn off the TV and, you know, have a harder time sleeping that night than had they once
0: so (laughs) well mike thank you thank you so much i doubt there's anyone that's listening to this that doesn't already listen to the aftermath but in in case you're one of those those people please make sure you're tuning in to the aftermath after uh, every hurricanes broadcast on the hurricanes radio network Uh, mike again thank you for uh your time this was a a very fun conversation